1: Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am the football analyst here at IrishBreakdown.com. I'm Vince Daddario, and with me, as always, is the publisher of irishbreakdown.com that's brian driscoll and uh yeah so there was a national championship game uh last night and you know usually when after notre dame season ends i kind of get into like a depressed funk and i don't really want to watch any other games but i was very intrigued as to how uh last night's game was going to play out uh for many reasons um from the, you know, Ohio State only played six games to get in the college football playoff to the way that they dispatched of Clemson uh, to how good I believe that Alabama was on offense. Uh, you know, what was that going to look like against Ohio State? A lot, lot of storylines going into that game. Um, and to be perfectly honest, it went, went pretty much the way I anticipated that it would go. If you, if you go over to irishbreakdown.com, uh Brian and I uh and a couple of other guys from the staff put out our predictions as to how we thought this game was going to go and I think Brian and I both had Ohio State's uh offensive number a little bit higher um I was close on on Alabama I said 49 I think they ended up with 52 uh but I said 35 uh for for Ohio State and they only ended up with 24 um and those were some tougher earned points it felt like uh to me so um it was an interesting game Brian, I want to get your thoughts overall on the game. And then we're gonna we're gonna jump into what that means from a Notre Dame standpoint. In other words, where do we think Notre Dame sits uh, to be competitive from a national championship standpoint? And we're gonna break it down on offense and defense. But overall, just on the game itself, Alabama versus Ohio State, your thoughts.
2: I think the only surprising thing to me, Vince, is I I thought Ohio State's offense would have put up a little bit more of a fight. You know, this was an offense that had really been explosive all year. My concern was they really only played one defense that was good in the regular season that was Northwestern, and they struggled. Yeah. Uh, they they beat up on Clemson, but you and I have been talking all year, Vince. This is not your normal Clemson defense. Agreed. And, and, Agreed. and, and I think sometimes you just have one of those games. Sometimes you just get hot. Sure, And I think that Ohio State got hot in that game. It Mm -hmm. just was one of those days, you know. And, you know, if Notre Dame and Clemson played again, do I think Clemson would beat Notre Dame 34-10 to every time they played? No, we saw that because Notre Dame was more competitive against them early in the year. And, again, it was a different-looking team. But I don't put a whole lot into, you know, the transitive property of, well, you know, because Ohio State beat Clemson and then Clemson beat Ohio State that – that's just not how it works. It never works right. that way. Uh, right. I just thought Ohio State played as well as you could possibly play. Could they do that again on against Alabama? That's what they needed to do to keep it competitive. But uh, I thought that they would score more. That was the only thing that was surprising sure. to me. I, I and and I, I thought that this is a defense. I mean, I tweeted late in the game like this is a defense that gave up f- almost 500 passing yards to to Michael Peanut Penix. And over 200 receiving yards to Travis Freifogel, you know, at Indiana. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, what did you right, think was right. going to happen when they played Mac Jones and Najee Harris and and Devontae Smith? Right, like they're not good on defense, and that's the thing is, you know what 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 the game showed me is that Ohio State, for all their highly ranked recruits on defense, they've been pretty below average to average on defense in two of the last three years. Um yeah. the one year they weren't average was when they had Jeff Halfley running the defense. So BC fans are probably feeling really good about their future right now as long as he stays. But um yeah, it went how it went, how I expected it to go. You know, Vince, I I, I made a comment to a couple friends. I, I think you were one of them during the season that I think Alabama is gonna start a slow decline, but I felt this was gonna be their last great team. Okay, And I thought all the stars that kind of aligned you Najee coming back Devontae Smith, you had this offensive line that's just going to get ravaged by the NFL next year. You know, I think their defensive recruiting hasn't been as good in recent years as it, as it used to be, but some of the, the leftover big time recruits, Patrick Sertan, Christian Barmore, Dylan Moses, those guys are still there. And sure. so I felt like Alabama was in a sort of a one, a, a last hurrah, Kind of thing where they were going to be this dominant. Now, a slow decline means they're still a playoff contender every year. They're still going to be a title contender for a couple of years, but I but I think we're going to see them start to have more years like last year than what we saw this year. And I think the the stars also kind of aligned for them too because their division was Auburn was down, uh, right? LSU was ravaged by NFL departures, and, yeah. and Clemson was down, Notre Dame, you know, I thought just kind of gave them that game, didn't even put up much of a fight, and then Clemson was down. So yeah. it was a down year in college football in a lot of ways, but it was Alabama peaking. So everything kind of lined up well for Alabama this year, and that's why I predicted them to win the championship before the year. But, you know, when I, when I look at this team, I say, you know, this is – This is what modern football is about. It's now two years in a row of examples of if you want to win a championship, you have to score. I mean, year after year, that same story is being proven out. And if you don't have a great defense, you have no chance in a game like this. If Ohio State would have had Notre Dame's defense, they'd had a shot last night, you know, because that game. you know, their offense was able to stay, stay with Bama for a little while. Right. Yes, they were. Yep. But, uh, you just, after a while, it's like if you make one mistake or two mistakes on offense and you don't score and your defense is what Ohio state's defense was this year, you're going to get run off the field. And that's exactly what happened. So you have to have a, a defense that's elite in order to just simply make enough stops to keep them in a manageable striking distance. And Ohio state didn't have that. And, uh, and so, yeah, the game. The game, I thought I had 44 37 as my final. I predicted a I kind of saw Ohio State scoring linked to kind of make it a little closer than it was. Uh, but I, I was not surprised. Uh, I was not surprised by the outcome of last night's game. It was still I'm fun to watch, to... though. That's a fun no, it offense. was fun
1: to watch. Yeah, it, it... I think from from an offensive standpoint, what was fun for me was, and, and you talked about how there might be a steady decline at this point for Alabama, and and I and I get all that, I totally do. Um, I think the and look, Steve Sarkeesian is obviously leaving to go to Texas, but you know when when they would go to the All Twenty Two and you would see the breakdown of of how some of these offensive plays were put together and and how they were able to isolate uh, Devontae Smith. And look, I get it. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell me. But there were times <laughs> where he was running so wide open that it didn't really matter who that particular person was. They probably still would have been open. Right. Um, and that was all by play design. And that was right. by scouting. And that was by game planning <laughs> and all of that. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs>
2: Because it, you're 100% right. You're nailing it. And I'll explain why I'm laughing. You finish okay. your point. You're making great points. I'm 100% on okay. board
1: with you. Okay, okay. I, I have, it, That's what stood out to me. It wasn't even the play. It wasn't even Devontae Smith going over 200 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. It was how they got him open and how mm-hmm. they got him lined up with linebackers. Like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, if that they continue to was, do that... Was, it,
2: bad coaching as well on
1: defense. agreed wow. no 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 i agree but <laughs> what i what i am saying is that you can take better than average players with good game planning and make them look elite but if yes. you, you have elite players with with this kind of game plan you make them look amazing and that's what happened last night in my so
2: <laughs> the reason i'm laughing vince is because you're 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 hitting it right on the head and my my laughing was Alabama is the only team in the country that would be justified to say, we're going to do what we do. We're just going to line up and yeah. do what we do. Cause they have the best player. I mean, they have Najee Harris. Of they course. have Devonte Smith. They have the best offensive line in the country yet game after game, after game of you and I studying Alabama, you're like, good Lord, what a great play call. And it's not a great yes. play call that requires Devante Smith. to. You don't need a Devante Smith to run a post corner route, you know, and, and I'll give you a perfect example. It was the the corner route that he caught this first half. It was, you know, he was to the left. And what it was, it was it was a two man route, really. Uh they had uh and, and Ohio State had a great play call later off this defensively. But anyway, Alabama was in a two tight end alignment. You, Imagine you need that. your
1: whiteboard. You need your whiteboard. I gotta need. get it
2: set up, man. I gotta get it set up. But it was <laughs> so it was a two tight end look. You had a tight end up each side. The Tight end of the right pass block, the tight end of the left just ran like an under route. He was essentially the, the check down guy. Devontae Smith was to the left, and the other receiver, I think it was John Mechie, was to the right. Okay, so 12 personnel, right? Notre Dame can do that. And they ran what is about one of the most basic football concepts that you see off play action, Vince. It was a it looked like it was going to be a post sort of like a post dig or a post deep drag. Over top, where you're isolating that safety, you know, you're you're thinking the play action is going to get the linebackers to bite, and so then you're making your your high low read off the post to the drag, and Ohio, and, and Alabama runs that, <clears throat> but on this play, it looked like the post, right? So the corner is inside, has Devonte Smith inside of him, in his line of sight is a crossing route, deep crossing route coming right at him, or drag, you can call it whatever you want. And so the corner has to say, the drag's coming at me. I got a squat on the drag. And he takes the drag out. But then instead of running a post right into the safety, they bang a post corner. And Devontae Smith is wide open. And it was just great play calling. And and, yeah. and you know, and and to Kerry Coombs' credit, later in the game, I think it was a series of two later, they ran a similar play and where they motioned the tight end down. And it looked to me like the play call by Kerry Coombs was, if that guy motions in again like that, you blitz off that side because he's pass blocking. And then they booted right into the blitz, and he knocked it out. It was very, it was a very similar action. So, uh, you know, that's the chess match I love about football. But just time and time again, as I'm breaking down Alabama, I'm thinking, what great schemes. And, yes, it's great yes. that you have great players, but you telling me that, that Kyron Williams can't run a wheel route the way that Najee Harris did? You know what I mean like uh there were there were so many concepts where I'm like man that that's something another name could easily do with their personnel and
1: well even even the uh the, the motion uh the on the one touchdown pass uh, it was Devonte Smith he, he went in motion he stopped he came back he stopped again and all that was was to just get the littlest leverage mm-hmm. on the defender because they right. knew it was man to man there was a guy that was following right. him back and forth and you could see him trying to mirror what Smith was going back and forth enough and he got speed got, and beat him to the end zone mm-hmm. all you need is a little bit of leverage to make that happen and all you mm-hmm. need is a guy with speed right His name has speed they can do that sort of because it's bridge play not a player making a play it's play and that is Calling and scheme and play design, I should say, not play calling, but play design and scheme because you know what they're trying to do. So, again, that's what stood out to me. It wasn't how amazing Devontae Smith was because he right. is, okay? He just right. is. But the ways that they got him right. open, you can do with other guys.
2: Devontae Smith is, my point. is a great player, but Devontae Smith isn't yes. getting that open just because he's a great player. Exactly. Right. And, and that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm coming from with this conversation. And so for me, Vince, that's why I say, yes, it's about talent, but it's also about doing things schematically from a coaching standpoint, from a fundamental standpoint, yes. from, a, from a moving your personnel around, finding isolations, finding matchups and doing all those things to where you say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And we saw that Ohio State, too. One of the things I talked about and you, you, leading into the Notre Dame, Ohio State game is, if you're not using your linebackers and running backs to attack their linebackers and safeties, you're not doing this thing right. And w- w- what does Ohio State do? You know, they set up their first touchdown with a seam route against a, a linebacker with their tight end. And Jeremy Ruckers a good player.
1: I- He's I not think- Michael
2: Mayer. Take Tommy Tremble and Michael Mayer yeah, over him. Absolutely. Um, you know, and and so we we saw a lot of that. We saw really well coached teams. Yeah. Going going toe to toe. We saw it last year with LSU and Clemson. Uh, we, I mean, when you watch LSU last year, the things they would do with their receivers to schematically get put them in good positions was phenomenal, whereas Notre Dame, it, Brian Kelly's constantly complaining about how they don't have explosive players, but then you're asking, like he's doing with Ben Skoranek, what Alabama could get away with doing with Devontae Smith is I'm just going to ask you to be better than the guy across from you. Correct. We're not going to really game plan you. We know where Javon McKinley's going to line up on every snap. I know where Ben Skaronic's going to be on every snap. And that's just not conducive to, to really right. I agree. using your scheme to maximize what you do. And that's the difference between the modern offense and the, the antiquated offense that Brian Kelly's trying to run. So, yep. you know, when I when I look at it, I say, look, Notre Dame has talent to be a much, much better offense. Do I think that they're going to go out next year and score 49 points a game? No. But with the defense they've had the last three years, they don't have to score 50 right. points. They can. They've shown – they held Clemson to 30 points in the first matchup in the playoff. They held Clemson to 34 in the conference in the ACC title game. They held Alabama to 31. Now, I do believe Alabama took their foot in, off the gas, and I think Alabama could have put one more score on the board. Sure, maybe a score and a field goals. But again, if you can hold Alabama to 38 points, you're giving yourself a chance say, to win.
1: You're still in the 30s, and they average 49 and right. a half. Notre okay.
2: Dame was able to make stops to where if Ohio State would have made an, as many stops in the first seven possessions as Notre Dame made in their first seven possessions. They would had a chance to be in that game in the fourth quarter because their, their offense, offense was score. keeping them with yeah. it. Their defense couldn't make stops. So, you know, and, and we'll tie this into where Notre Dame is, but like that's modern football. Correct. Um I think I saw Ben uh, uh my my guy at the at the Sporting News, uh, Ben Belder, um had a thing where he he showed the the average starting or the average scoring Points per game for the teams that have won the national title game is forty points. So that's where you got to be, and in the forties, yeah. And that was dragged down by the twenty seventeen Alabama Georgia game, which was twenty six twenty three because you had two SEC teams. This is before Alabama had made the full transition into what they are now. Correct, and so. It just goes to show that it, it's, it is talent. You need talent, right? Yeah, so you do. Like,
1: of course. Of, <laughs> of course Troy, you do.
2: You know, Troy's not going to take Alabama's offense run the same exact plays and win a national championship, right? Like you need players. Uh, but my point is Notre Dame has enough players to be better than they are. And correct. You know, and some of this stuff is not complicated, Vince. Like if if you're watching last night's game and you're still thinking, yeah, I don't think RPOs are all that important to what we're doing. Then I, then you need to find another job. You need to find something else to do with your career because coaching isn't it, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and and so it just there was so much. We're like, this is the modern game, right? Like, yeah. the, and, and we we saw two different versions of the modern game. You have Ohio State, which is a spread offense, right? Um, a spread offense that is is a very pro style in some of their concepts they do, but, but more of a traditional college offense. Sure, and Zone then you reads see at, and right. things like that, yeah. And then you see out, you know, misdirections, bootleg. Then she, Alabama, which is more of a traditional pro style approach. So, and then Clemson is a pure spread. So you see these three teams that are winning it and in, in playing for championships. And, and what they're doing is in Ohio state when in 2014, when they won, it was a pure spread offense. So it can be different forms. This isn't talking about like in, in Oklahoma is an air raid. Right. And sure. again, if Oklahoma, everybody's well. Oklahoma. If Oklahoma had Notre Dame's defense, Oklahoma would have a national championship. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. If ba- that, if you have baked that.
2: You get that 2017 Baker Mayfield team. Notre Dame's defense that year, they've got a they've got a ring, yeah. right? They have beat Georgia. No, Notre Dame held Georgia to 20 points, right? They to beat Alabama. That was not a great Alabama team. I'm sorry. Uh, Oklahoma would have won a national title that year if they had Notre Dame's defense. And I think they would have been impressive looking with Notre Dame's defense because they would have sure. made so more, more so many more stops
1: that their if offense would have score scored a lot points. more points. Yeah, exactly. You
2: know, um, so so again, y- you have to be good on defense to win a title. You can't be Oklahoma, right? I'm not saying that. Never will say that. But you can't be a great defense and not have an offense like this. That's right. just the game. Yep. And so uh, that's what last night made very clear to me. And I, I'll say this before we dive into where Notre Dame is relative to this Notre Dame team. I thought last night's Alabama game plan compared to what they did 10 days before against Notre Dame Completely shows how different. much more respect they yeah. have for the Notre Dame defense compared to yep. the Ohio State. They had no fear of the Ohio State defense, no None. respect for the Ohio None. State defense. None. None. They were taking shots. They were – I mean, they were they were getting isolated. They were going after Sean Wade. They weren't concerned about Sean Wade making – I mean, they they were – we're coming at you. They made one throw – we've talked about this many times. We, they made one throw beyond 20 yards against Notre Dame. And, and, again, part of that, or being honest and objective, was they had no fear and respect for Notre Dame's offense. None. Once yeah, they got into they that game score. and they realized yeah. Notre Dame's not going to attack us, then that's similar to what Clemson did in 2018. They just said, okay – we know Notre Dame's not going to score on us, so we're not going to give their defense a chance to go make a play to get us get them back in the game. This is the second year, second time we've seen that. You know, I remember talking to people after the Clemson game of 2018 and, and hearing what Clemson coaches were saying to other coaches about the Notre Dame defense. They were concerned. And I'm hearing the same thing from people about this 2020 Notre Dame defense. Now, the difference is this defense isn't as deep in the starting lineup as that one was at the secondary level. But this front seven from Notre Dame is one that people respect and, and, and are concerned about. Alabama showed that. Their game plan last night showed me that they had no respect for Ohio State, with has four five-star here, five star there, that you know, and, and all this recruiting thing. Notre Dame had seven three-star players in their starting lineup, and and they were far more competitive against Alabama. Foot off the gas or not, they didn't take their foot off to the gas to the tune of they'd have scored 52 on Notre Dame. Right. That's for exactly. darn sure. They might have yeah. got to 38, 41. But they weren't hanging fifty-two on Notre Dame. Right. That's for darn sure.
1: Right. And um, they certainly weren't going to have thirty-five at halftime. Correct. Correct. <laughs> correct. Now,
2: now, part of that was Notre Dame's game plan of they weren't going to give Alabama enough possessions. Alabama wins, which I'm okay with
1: too. Which I'm okay with. I, I within reason, right. I get it. I get it. That's not a bad strategy against a high-powered, high-octane offense. Right. But. There, there's a huge but there, yeah. and we will. We've talked about that. I'm not going to get into Ohio it,
2: State. Kind of had the right way of going about it, which is they were they're going to run the ball, but you still have to push for score. Absolutely, you yeah, know? for
1: sure, for sure.
2: Um, But anyway, w- w- that I digress. But I I, yes. I did think that that showed. Um, and again, I I broke down. Uh, I think like nine of the eleven games that Alabama played this year. I didn't spend a whole lot of time on the Kentucky game. You know, I mean, there's a couple games I just was like, yeah, I'm not going to get anything out of that. And and they never had a game plan that had as little vertical aspects to their past game That's, as what we saw against Notre
1: Dame. It's all I heard going yeah. into the game is what a beautiful deep ball Mac Jones yeah. has. And, blah, and And the reason people say that is they saw it a lot. Yeah. Okay. If you
2: only watch Bama against Notre Dame, you'd have thought, this guy never throws the ball downfield. This guy is what Notre Dame fans complain about Ian Book being. All he Correct. does is just those short throws. Captain check down. Right. Yeah, right. right. Um, You know, it, it, that was because they were not going to give the Notre Dame defensive line or Jeremiah Wusu
1: or Kyle Hamilton a chance to yeah. impact the game. Yeah. And that's what you do. That's called game planning. Right. But that's another conversation. Anyway. Too. So All uh, right. Yeah. So we, let's – yeah, I, I want to I talk about where we think Notre Dame is from a competitive national championship level situation. So what mm-hmm. we're going to do uh, when we come back from the break is we're going to talk about the Notre Dame offense, where we think they are competitive from a national championship standpoint and where they need to improve. And then we're going to do the defense. Same thing, where they're competitive right now and where they need to improve. And so uh, we will do that right after we hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out that description box to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. So I couldn't help but watch the game last night and think to myself, man I could see Notre Dame being competitive in this area or man Notre Dame's got a bit of a ways to go in this area (laughs) right I mean look that that's we spend all of our time because that's our job is is breaking down Notre Dame and seeing Notre Dame on a week-to-week basis so that's my point of reference uh when I'm watching other games is where would Notre Dame stack up uh against the teams that I'm watching and and I was doing that last night um and I have a feeling you were probably doing something similar as you were watching. The I game. always
2: do that when I'm watching good teams. Yeah, like yeah. Compared to, and I think you have to do that. If you truly want to understand where Notre Dame is, and if you sure. truly want to understand where Notre Dame needs to get to. And if you're someone who, who like me believes that Notre Dame is a program capable of winning a national championship in the modern era, then you need to be able to look and see what are other teams doing? Is it just sure. about talent? And if it is, where can you get that similar talent or where can you get talent to neutralize right. that right. talent? Right. And so, which is what the 88 team 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 did. You know, they had Rocket. They had Todd Light. They had some elite athletes, but no they doubt. didn't have the depth of speed across the board that Miami had. So, where they did is they neutralized it in the trenches. Sure. You know, so there's those kind of things. And, 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 and I say this, this is certainly the closest Notre Dame has been to one of these elite teams in a long time. it absolutely positions, but I, as to your point, I do think there are some key areas where if Notre Dame doesn't work to get better quickly, uh, it's going to have a, a negative impact on they're, they're either going to get closer or they're going to start falling back. Sure. And sure. we're about to hit that two-year stretch where that's going to happen. Yep. And, and so um, that's the interesting part. But, but I do think if you look at where Notre Dame is right now, they're they're better, I think, than Alabama or as good than Alabama at a couple play at a few places.
1: Yeah, and, sure. And I don't think you could have said that, uh, honestly, back in 2012, for no. example,
2: there was a couple individual players that were, you know, Tyler, but Martin, not that health Eifer, of a position group. Martin. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Man yeah. tie, you know, but in <clears throat> the gaps back then were enormous. Yes. They're the gaps not are
1: smaller, but
2: at all, but one position, the gaps are smaller um, in my opinion. Well, two now, and 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 we'll get into the second one when we start talking about the defense, but offensively I'll take Notre Dame's offensive line in 2017 and 2020 and put it against anybody. And even the 2018 and 2019 lines, when you and I were being critical of Jeff Quinn last year, we kept saying like, this is being critical being mean when you're holding through the standard of,
1: what in Notre the Dame's offensive line, in the country, line be, there yeah. There were still
2: a lot of teams that would have said, we'll take Notre Dame's yeah. offensive line, right?
1: Sure, sure, because sure. Because
2: that's the whole standard. It's not like, well, I'm criticizing Jeff Quinn because he's terrible. No, it's, is he going to be able to develop a championship caliber line? Sure, yeah, 2020 right. he did. You look at the future of the position. They've got nine or ten four-star players coming back. They've got four or five top 100 recruits. Now, again, recruiting isn't an end-all, end-all be-all. It's but not. That's what we have to go with when guys haven't played a whole lot. Sure. I and mean, that's what everybody points out. Of course, Devontae Smith is good. He's a highly ranked player. I'm, okay, well, th- whatever. I mean, There's a litany that, of highly ranked players <laughs> right. that didn't pan out. So well, that, yeah, that's another conversation. Joe, Joe Burrow was, a, I think, the number 280 player in the country and a borderline four-star. Uh, Mac Jones was a three-star player, the number 399 player in the country. And those two guys in back back years beat the number one player in the country in Trevor Lawrence and the number two player in the country in Justin Fields in back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, a quarterback can, doesn't always have to be a five star. It's about development. Uh, so when you talk about offense, to me, that's the big thing. Tight end. You, I wouldn't trade Notre Dame's tight ends for anybody, anybody, anybody. Nope. Uh, and I'm talking starters, backups, and that's been true for, for the, room. Of the last five, six years. There was a couple stretches in 16, 17, 18, where, you know, Alizé Mac wasn't quite panning out, had some injuries and, <laughs> you know and and but then you get the brock wright nicole Komet class and then you've got tommy trumbull and george Takis, and then you know so they've J- chip long did a great job of rebuilding the tight sure. end depth chart which had kind of taken a step back in the years before he got here and now you look at it and say you know you look at the future of the tight end uh depth chart and you're like you yeah, they're they're absolutely loaded uh running back I- i'm I will take Notre Dame's running backs and say, yeah, they can go that. You can win with that. Am I saying they're better than this guy or
1: that guy? No, but, um, but are they, but can they, can you use that room right coupled with the rest of the team to win a national championship? The answer is yes. In my opinion, the answer is yes. So you Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree um, is, is that's a good room and Mm -hmm. you've got some pretty good young uh, depth pieces coming, which is key as well, obviously.
2: And it's not just about the talent of the players; it's also about specific skill sets, right? You've got an explosive guy, and Kyron Williams isn't a home run hitter per se, but he showed against Clemson and Florida State that if you give him a sp- again, a four five five guy is not getting caught from behind by a four four guy unless that guy's two steps behind him. Correct. Right? And so uh, he can hit home runs, but. Kyron is that all-around back that can you can line him up in the slot. You can throw him the ball out of the backfield. I think he was very much underutilized for Notre Dame this year. Even though they did used him, it was like, why aren't you doing that – instead of once per game, five times per game. Sure. You know, why aren't you using him in the slot with Chris Tyree as your, as your running back and you're running RPOs where if they come to play the run, you're pulling and hitting a slant to Kyron Williams. You, there's so many things you could do if you wanted to get creative with it. Right. Like, you know, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and LSU do with their personnel. Okay. Um, you know, I'll take that room. Yeah. You know, are, are either of them first-round draft picks? Probably not. But running you wouldn't have said Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a first-round running right. back after his first and second years of college either. Right. They're the modern system. They fit that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Najee Harris skill. Now, their body types are different, but how Najee is used is – look, Najee Harris averaged 5.8 yards per rush this year. Do you know who had a higher yards per carry average in that rhetorical question? Tony Jones, Jr., Tony Jones Jr. averaged yeah. more yards per carry than Najee Harris, but running nobody's behind the best gonna... offensive line in the right. country.
1: And that's right? the key. Yeah.
2: Dexter had a higher yards per carry than Tony Jones Jr., and Josh Adams had a higher yards per carry than all of them. Right. I and mean, in 2015, you had Josh Adams and C.J. Proceis combined for about seven yards a carry. Yeah. Running back has not been Notre Dame's problem. Right. Yes, Audrey Denson recruited poorly, but – Chip Long and Lance Taylor quickly made up for that with Kyron Williams, with Chris Tyree, Landon Audrick Estime in the 2021 class. And I still think they're going to get Logan Diggs.
1: That's a pretty, pretty yeah. good haul. Yeah. I'll right.
2: take that. And Sebo Flemister is not a bum. That kid can, play no, not at a all. Specific role. Correct. Adds value. Absolutely. So I got no problem with where Notre Dame is the running back. I've never been a believer that you needed a five-star running back to be successful. Uh, and, 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 uh, <clears throat> there, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, go look up his recruiting ranking, okay? And, and you'll see that it's <laughs> he wasn't anywhere close to what Chris Tyree, Tyree is as a recruit. So anyway, the point is I feel good about that room. I feel good about the tight end room. Uh, I, feel I feel good about, about the offensive line
1: room, to great. be honest with I mean, you, you. have to yeah. be great about that. Those, those three rooms, I feel really, really good they about. They can play
2: with anybody. Correct.
1: Anybody. Correct.
2: Receiver, to me, is – not where it needs to be but i don't i don't necessarily think it's talent i think part of it is is bad luck kevin austin and Braden lindsey being banged up this year hurt sure. them now how much would they have been used if healthy we don't know the answer to that i'll give the staff the benefit of the doubt and say that they were going to use them right um, the other problem has been usage you know i keep hearing you know i remember after the 2018 T- lost to Clemson, Brian Kelly kept talking about, well, we needed more explosive playmakers. And I'm like, uh, bruh, you have Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool, God. you know what I mean? Like, I don't mm. know what more you know, and then they both ran out and ran like four four twos of the combine, and everybody was shocked. And I'm like, I wasn't yeah. shocked. I watched them no play one else every was week. Shocked. It was the same argument I had back then. Like, look, I'm at the games, I'm watching film, I'm seeing Miles Boykin cannot be covered. I'm watching Miles Boykin beat Clemson's corners for on post routes. I'm watching Michael Young get open on a deep drag for what should have been a 40-50 right. yard gain against Clemson. I'm watching Chase Claypool get open on a post route for what should have been a big play against Clemson. Is there a level where they can upgrade the talent at receiver? Sure. It's definitely an area where they can continue to upgrade. You've got another great class coming in. But hey, yep. Devontae Smith wasn't a five-star receiver. Do you know how many five star receivers took the field for Alabama last night? Zero. Uh, zero. Okay. Devante was in the 60s on the composite ranking, right? Slade Bolden was a three-star, and John Mechie was ranked like 270 or 280, but lower than Avery Davis, by the way. Um you know, so they, yes, they're extremely talented, but they've also been coached. You watch that, those guys play. And this is what I've said about Devontae Smith all along. He's not the freaky athlete that Henry Ruggs or maybe even uh, Jerry Judy or, you know, those guys were. He's so incredibly skilled. And he's always yes. been that I mean, you could watch, see some film of him in high school, and he was a great route runner. But he's he's well coached, he's well schooled. If you yep. if you give me Braden Lindsay and, and give me a receivers coach that's and I don't blame Dell Alexander because I don't think this is something that's demanded from the head coach on down. Give me a receivers coach that's gonna teach these guys how to play the game and then give me an offensive system that's gonna do things to move them around. Devontae Smith lined up at four or five different positions last night. How are you how are you not doing that with Will Fuller? You knew where Will Fuller was gonna line up every single play. And he was just so good that he could go out and dominate, right? But you can't just ask a guy to run by people because when you have Ben Skoranek and Javon McKinley and Avery Davis, you need to utilize them. You're telling me that you watch some of these freshmen and sophomores and you're saying those guys are light years away ahead of Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts? You can't convince me of that because yeah, right. you're telling me these Notre Dame kids are so stupid that 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 you know that they can't figure out how to run a hitch, a slant, and a jet sweep. That They can't even get A-snap? A-snap? Right. Uh, it, It's a usage problem. Now, again, continue to upgrade the receiver room. But if you're running the system that Alabama or Clemson, I'm sorry, I will not trade Notre Dame's receiving core for Clemson's. They just use them better. Simple as that it's a
1: scheme. We've said it about right. a million times. It's the scheme. Notre Dame
2: couldn't cover Amari Rogers. Well, guess what? Clemson couldn't cover Avery Davis. The difference is, is when Amari got open, the quarterback threw him the ball. The Notre Dame quarterback didn't. And that leads me to the final thing, which is quarterback.
1: Right. More and, than and I just. I, can, I, can I just yeah, say yeah, one course, quick thing? Of course. I, I want to. I, I do want to echo what you what you're saying. So we we decided, and and I agree with you. Offensive line, tight end, running back, we're good.
2: Good enough to Wide win. Wide receiver, receiver as a group, and, and as a group, that's that's a good enough group. That's core group, and that that's what I want to say. With,
1: yeah. is there is there a Heisman Trophy winner in there? Probably not, but. The schemes that I saw last night from Alabama, if you plug in Notre Dame's players, the ones that haven't seen a whole lot of playing time, yeah. the ones that are in that room, they can do what yeah. was done last night. I'm right. telling you. you, you can win with that room. Right. I, I, I am. I am confident you yeah. can win with that room. To Absolutely. your point,
2: are they scoring 52 on Ohio State? No, but they don't need to score 52 right. against Ohio because State because they they have I have think a better they're defense. better on defense. They have a better exactly. defense.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and you're right. The next the next position, obviously, we're going to talk about the quarterback room. Um, that's where you need yep. an upgrade. You need a guy that's going to go and get the ball into the hands of those people that we just talked about in a manner uh, that will make you successful. I okay? think it
2: goes way deeper than Ian Book for
1: me. I do, too. I do, too, because I don't yeah. think you can blame Ian Book all you want for the loss to Alabama in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's his fault.
2: He wasn't put in position to beat Alabama.
1: That's exactly right. And he wasn't used to the ability that he has to beat Alabama. Right. So I don't blame Ian Book for that. I there's, really don't. There's
2: no way Ian Book was going to beat Alabama, no matter how well he played, with the offense that Notre Dame runs. Right. Without the defense force and two or three turnovers. Correct. And the reason I say that is, is because, again, you're asking Ian Book and those receivers to run concepts that demand that we physically be better than you. It's almost like Notre Dame should be running what Alabama runs, and Alabama should be yeah. running what Notre Dame runs.
1: Absolutely. I mean that Absolutely. when you talk
2: about personnel, yep. And that just goes to show that you, you you don't take for granted your talent. You say, okay, I got talent. Let's now let's build a system that give that we can do things. I mean, you ask yourself why, you, you know, Will Fuller never found himself running that wide open, and he was one of the most explosive players of the last decade. Whenever Will Fuller beat a guy, it was he just outran him. It was never like there's no one near him right? Telling me Devontae Smith is that much faster than Will Fuller? No, it's scheme. And if you look at the big plays Will Fuller had, you know, against Virginia in in 2015, against USC, against Stanford, they were all plays where the guy was trailing him. He just was faster. It was was literally
1: our guys better than your guy. Right.
2: That was not what was happening all the time. No, it happens at times. I mean, there was a play last night where um Devontae smith just smoked sean wade
1: just on the uh, i was just a go mo- route.
2: most overrated corner in the country by the way
1: there was a it was just a go route on the right a, side he, I, I that, that was a will fuller about. play that was just Correct. i'm better than you yeah um he ran a better route right. he stuck his foot on the inside and right. Just went right around him up the top but yep.
2: i'm sorry he does javon mckinley doesn't score a 42 yard touchdown on that but Javon McKinley catches a 35-yard back shoulder on that. Sure. You just you can't, it's not 42 touchdown or nothing. It's not, it's right. 25 and, and you're still moving the chains. Yeah. That's the difference. And and when I look at like Will Fuller, I say, you know, what if Will Fuller was used in a way like Devontae Smith is? What kind of sick, ridiculously stupid numbers would he have been able to put up? What if Chase sure. Claypool was utilized for an entire season, you know, that way? And and then here's other point. You're asking Ian Book to play like you'd ask trevor lawrence to play make these precise reads and our and there's a, a low margin for error because everything sure. is downfield and and all these kind of things and it's like you know he's not that guy right so why are you asking him to be that guy See, why I, is he not running rpos why is he not running read zone why is he not the moving thing. the pocket yeah, more that's i watched a play where against clemson where they booted uh, Justin Fields out, but the way that they teach their bootleg, he's kind of attacking downhill, so it's very easy for him to transition into a run. Notre Dame would do that, and Ian Book's running laterally. That, that that's that's bad coaching. <laughs> it's
1: not how I know? teach boots, right? And and it also
2: <laughs> it also negates an athletic kid who could Correct. do damage with his legs. So again, when I look at Ian Book, I say this is more than an Ian Book thing. Ian Book is being asked to execute a system that he shouldn't be asked to execute. You know, and right. and. Chip Long got a little bit too complicated in 2019 compared to where he was in 2018, and there's a reason Ian went from averaging 300 yards a game as a starter to barely 200 in his second year. Think about that. Ian Book in his nine starts in 2018 averaged 290.6 passing yards per game. If Ian Book would have averaged 290.6 passing yards per game and run a similar offense this year, Notre Dame would have... They would have been playing for the – they would have played Alabama for the title, but it would have been last night. Not. It wouldn't have been in the semifinals right, they would right. have beat Clemson. Flat out. Flat yeah. out would have beat Clemson. And so
1: that's so, – it, it, it's, let it's ask, continued
2: regression. We've seen it all the time. Go ahead, Vince.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Let, yes, let me ask you a quick question. Mm-hmm. Because everything you explained about what Ian Book does well, I think that's what Alabama did last night. Yeah. Put Ian Book – on that team, on Alabama's team, and, and put him in crimson and white, do you think he could do the things that Mac Jones did?
2: Not to 52 points, no. Okay. Because I don't think Ian Book... Here's the biggest difference between Mac Jones and Ian Book. Mac Jones processes things extremely quickly. His anticipation okay. is outstanding. I agree. Ian Book can't do that. So some of, those, some of those downfield throws that were effective, I don't know if Ian Book can do it, but part of me wonders is that because of how they're teaching it bingo we've seen this ask
1: you in the
2: past too deshaun kaiser had this issue Uh, brandon wimbush had this issue tommy reese had this issue i mean ever golson had this issue so either they're getting quarterbacks that don't know how to read defenses every single year and they complained about that with phil dracovic too and he didn't have any problem reading defenses at boston college this year you know and so um, part of me wonders if you're if you, you know, you need to look in the mirror. And again, as we've said before, other teams are simplifying while Notre Dame is getting more complicated. So I don't, I don't, you know, when I watch that post drag concept, that's not a read by Devontae Smith. He's running a post corner, simple as that. Right. Um, the reads that they're doing are more of a, you know, you're running a vertical and you sit because the guy's playing over top in the cover three. Well, Notre Dame can do that and they do that effectively. It's, it's, it's how they run their four verts. You know, if, hey, if, they're playing cover three. You get to twenty and bang it, and it's a comeback. You know that kind right. of thing. That's simple. Those are those are not the kind of post snap reads that we're complaining about. Sure. And ours are. It's it could be an out, a post, or a stop. Yeah. That, that that's, you know what I mean. Like those are just sure. no. You know, I get, get it. asking college kids to do so. Based on what we saw of Ian Book, no, he can't do that. And I don't know if he could process information quickly enough. But the thing is, they wouldn't have asked him to do that. Okay. That's the difference. Right. Uh, Steve Sarkisian right. wouldn't have asked Ian Book to run the same exact offense he ran with Mac Jones because he built around that. Sure. You know, just like they did different things with Tua. You look at that offense when Tua was in the game compared to Mac Jones. And that's why Alabama's offense was so much better this year than it was last year when Mac Jones took over. Because it wasn't
1: built for Mac Jones. It
2: wasn't. It was built for Tua. They had four first-round picks, the wide receiver, last year. <laughs> and, and they were really good on D, on offense. I mean, they still scored 40 points in the two games they lost. Uh, but they weren't as good as they are now, sure. And, and the, but even though the talent was better. And, and no, so, I you. could Ian Bo- would Ian Book have scored 52 last night? Probably not. But I would say this. Alabama probably would have ran it more and more effectively. Could Ian Book have scored in the 40s and won them the game? Yeah, I think so but they wouldn't have been winning because of Ian book, you know, looking sure. like Joe burrow.
1: No, I got right? you. it. It would have been yeah. different.
2: And there are things he, you'd have seen more RPOs, more quick game, more screens. Those are things that, that you need to have a, allow a quarterback to do. And when Ian book had the few opportunities to do that, I mean, think of the Duke game. He he hits that little quick tunnel screen to to Kyron Williams, goes for 75 yards. You know, he hits a screen over top to Chris Tyree for 27 yards against Alabama. I mean, you know, I just if, – if Ian Book can't read uh, inside zone handoff and determine whether I'm going to pull and throw a slant or handoff, then, then he shouldn't have been your starting quarterback. Simple as that. I mean, you should have said, hey, we got this really talented Phil Jakovic kid who, um, you know, is raw, needs to learn stuff, but he's clearly – no one should be questioning whether or not uh, he's got more talent than Ian book. That's not a debate. It's whether at that stage of his career, he was better sure. or whatever, but if Ian book couldn't do simple things like pull a, an outside zone and throw a, throw a screen, back, a look screen backside, or Hey, they're tucked in the box. I'm just going to pull it and immediately throw the bubble. If he couldn't do things like that from a mental standpoint, he never should have been your starting quarterback.
1: Well, that you wouldn't be my starting quarterback in high school if you couldn't do that stuff. Right. So I mean I I'm being honest can, with you. I know
2: he can do it, but you gotta rep it. You just don't yeah. take five, ten reps at an RPO. Rep, RPOs are what you do it's, every it's, single it's muscle memory. Snap.
1: It's muscle memory. You yes. have to do it all the time, and you have to you have to rep it from day one of spring ball, fall right. camp. Well, it's I mean here you are. That's it's, your drill. Yes. You do the same drill and it gets boring and the guys complain about it, but it becomes muscle memory when you go you're watch
2: it. how many times Devontae Smith blocked last night. And it's not because he can't block. I'm I would put nothing past. I he's a little guy, but he would f- fight, scrap, claw, do whatever he had to do. It's just they're not, that's not what they do. An RPO is literally something you do every play. It's right. we're calling so so if you're still unclear what an RPO is, here's what it is. It's called a run-pass option. It's not like a read zone, right? It is the offensive line and the running back are literally running a run play inside zone, and there's and that's no why call. one
1: of the Alabama offensive linemen got called for man down field because that's, that's they're right. blocking a run play.
2: Correct. It's no, there's no check, there's no call, there's nothing. It's not a play action. It's not a read zone. It is a I'm handing off or i'm pulling and i'm throwing right the receivers on the same play are running a pass concept whether it's a screen or a downfield pass concept and they're both doing that every single play there's only one person with a decision to make and that's the quarterback and that's it so it's not a check it's not an audible it's something you literally do every single play and it's it's essentially to say it's a full it's I'm saying this a bit hyperbotically, but it's a foolproof offense. It is. As long as now the coaching is whatever still, they
1: do, they're wrong. Right. That's that that's that that's the now, concept that I teach to my kids. It's hey, what the defense does, whatever they do, they're wrong because right. this is what we're gonna do.
2: Now, your job as a coach is to make sure that the schemes that you're implementing with your RPOs are effective, right? So you could have a bad run call and a bad pass call and they're gonna destroy it because you're not attacking their defense correctly. What Notre Dame does is Notre Dame requires the perfect play call. The, and I'm we're going to have a podcast on this because I was very much against the Tommy Reese hire, very much against. But I'm also very much against all these people saying he needs to be fired. because And, and we're going to have a podcast about that later this week where I'm going to talk about how Tommy Reese is, in fact, could be the answer to Notre Dame's problems, and I'll explain why. Um, because Joe Moorhead's not leaving Oregon, right? Like Steve Sarkeesian's not going to turn down the head coaching job at, at Texas He's to come to BDLC, Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame. So <clears throat> we'll get into that. But the problem is at the top. The problem is Brian Kelly. Tommy Reese is running the offense Brian Kelly wants him to run. And that's where Notre Dame, for me, is further away than even quarterback. Because, again, right. quarterback, you can't tell me that with 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 uh, Dane Christ, with Everett Golson, with Gunnar Keel, with Malik Zaire, with Deshaun Kaiser, with Brandon Wimbush, with Phil Dracovic, with Ian Book, and now upcoming with Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner, that in that stretch, not once did you have a championship caliber quarterback. You, you can't tell me that either. Either you're terrible at evaluating recruits at quarterback, right. and it's been every single quarterback's coach, mm-hmm. Charlie Molnar, you know Chuck Martin. Matt Mike De- all of them, Matt LaFleur, right. Who yeah. his, He he did put no effort into recruiting. He, he, I was, know he, <clears throat> Mike Dembrock, but what's the one constant Ben? Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly. Right. So I'm not blaming Tommy Reese for this. It's a, it's a program problem that your sure. quarterbacks. And it's also not a shock that Ian book did the same exact thing that every other quarterback did, which is he was at his best early in his career when he was young and they were forced to simplify the reads and the calls and the checks—it's yep. not a shock because if if Notre Dame would have played on offense throughout Ian Book's career, like they did his first few starts, <clears throat> our narrative about Notre Dame is much different right yeah. now. Okay, yep, nope. So, I so that's where to me it's 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 beyond the quarterback; it's a coaching issue.
1: So, so to recap: offensive line check, uh, tight ends check, check, check. Backs, check, check. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, wide receivers check.
3: I, 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 personnel you can end with wide, these wide receivers. Yeah, That's all I'm yes, saying.
1: That's yes, all I'm yes, saying. Yes, 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 we're talking personnel. Uh, quarterback need to upgrade potentially, mm-hmm. potentially. But
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: I think the biggest non-checkmark here is coaching and yeah. scheme and, yeah. and all of that. And I, we don't need yeah. to rehash it, but that that's that's kind of the recap for where we are with the offense. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I think they can compete in the vast majority of these categories. They're not
2: as far off as people think.
1: That's exactly the point. They're not. Um, Alabama
2: was a 35 to 37 point per game team up until 2018. Yes. So yep. Notre Dame is four to five points behind them, right? Yeah, Alabama got into the modern era and they're scoring 49. So what does that mean? Notre Dame can get to 42.
1: Okay. I'll I'll take
2: that and enjoy my championship coverage. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy, from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So defensively for Notre Dame, let's 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 talk defense yeah. because uh, I think that across the board they're probably closer uh except for one position correct. except for yeah. one position, and, and i and that's fair so let's start defensive line mm-hmm. uh i think defensive line and we you know you want to look at what we, what they've got going into 2021 mm-hmm. where they've been the last few years yeah i got a huge check market defensive line
2: it, it is now see here here's where the defensive line has come in 2018 it was more about you had really good starters and and you know tillery inside and then outside yeah. on the edge you were loaded sure Inside, it was a bigger question mark. 2017, big question mark up the middle. Sure. The depth up the middle was the problem. Yep. I'll fast forward to 2020. There's no first-round draft pick on this group. Uh, Agreed. I love Adi Takumba, Ogandiji, and Dalen Hayes. They're not first-round draft picks. Agreed. not. I think there's two ways to have a great defensive line. One is to have great individual players, like Clemson had in 2018. Yeah. The other way yeah. is to have just be able to throw waves, waves, waves of waves of athletic players yes. at a team, and that's what Notre Dame has been able to do. Correct, and There's frankly, like, I would rather have it as the waves
1: and waves because I would. I, I would that's rather have it waves sustain. of waves of elite players, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I mean, but like, okay, okay no, fair. I'm just kind of but player. I'm just. I, but what I'm saying is, I think you can sustain. Yes the waves better than you can sustain yeah. getting five stars all the time. Yes. Right. Because there is ebbs and flows. Especially in recruiting. Notre Dame. Especially Absolutely. Notre Dame. And so, that's one of those yeah.
2: things where I think, I think the current staff, and that's why I thought Mike Elko and Clark Lee were such great hires. Because you, and this is why I also think Mar- Marcus Freeman's a great hire. If you hire a guy from Bama, he's going to be kind con- of, it's kind of why I said like guys like, like magic Johnson and John Elway, would be horrible and Pate man would be like horrible coaches michael jordan horrible coach yeah because i can't teach you to play the game the way that i play which is i'm just better than everyone right whereas a guy like larry bird could be a better coach sure because he was i I can teach great work ethic and fundamentals and and i high iq those kind of right you see what i'm saying and so right Bama guy say well i don't know what to do i don't have davante's you know just in theory right sure 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 um and so I think especially if we're talking, de- I'm talking defense here, right? We're not right. talking offense because we've talked about how great their scheme on offense. Defensively, the, the guys that have run Kirby Smart would, would not be a very good defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I think he'd be downright terrible because his scheme is built around having elite players. What has happened at Notre Dame is they've hired coaches that are understand how to build an elite defense without having elite players. And right. when they've had elite players, those guys have been really good because they coached it. So, like, Mike Elko did not come from pl- a place at Wake Forest where it was like, hey, I've got this first-round pick and that first-round pick, and those. And they, they had turned, to develop. Returned, they developed
1: yeah, Jesse Bates yeah. into an NFL yeah. player. He and, was they had before- to, and they had to do their homework on the recruiting trail right. to find guys that right. fit the system right. that they wanted to run. Right, I Jeremiah
2: Coromoa, yeah. Myron yeah. I mean, so, you know, I, I look at it and I say, they under now the next step for Notre Dame on the defensive line is I do think they need to up their recruiting a little bit take that next step now you've shown that you can develop now go after some of those big time players that should, sure and, and you get one a year you're gonna be great you know and so uh, I think that I think that high level talent at defensive tackle the last two years has taken a step up right we're talking about myron Tuvelow and Kurt Heinish and they're high motor guys but you know the last couple years you've added Riley Mills. He's a high upside talent. I could see Riley Mills becoming a high draft pick someday. I could see Gabriel Rubio becoming an all-American caliber player. I could see Aiden Kayana Ana becoming a difference maker kind of player. So I think the size and my two knocks at defensive tackle two years ago were after Tillery, the, the size was a concern and the high upside talent was a concern. Next year, with Jason Adamiola, with Jacob Lacey, if he can come back and be healthy, with Riley Mills now another year in the system, with Aiden in another year in the system, with 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 uh, Rieber Rubio coming as, as a highly advanced freshman, uh, size and strength wise. I, f- I feel great. Now, is there a first round pick in there? Not yet maybe could down be. the road but not could yet be. yeah could but be but man that's i i'll go to battle with
1: that group absolutely and,
2: and defensive end Isaiah Foskey to me is the most ta- physically gifted Notre Dame defensive end they've had you know Jordan Batelho wow, was long a long
1: time yeah
2: was a top 100 recruit now the strong side needs a little bit more work but i love Alexander Ahrensberger's yeah. upside i love Jason Onyes upside i love those high upside guys but i do think the next step for them is to start taking some swings for some of those top level sure. players
1: yeah nothing wrong and with that you only
2: need to get one every couple years that's really right. all you
1: need to do agree along
2: with the guys you're already getting
1: right correct. above and, and beyond yeah right
2: correct so you know it line you know so i think defensive line i think notre dame is putting themselves in position where when i watch them against clemson when i watch them against alabama their struggles on defense were not up front if anything those teams and we talked about this i think at the beginning of the show those teams game-planned a way to not allow Correct. the defensive line. And the mark of a true, truly gr- healthy position group is can you lose players and keep going? They lost Jerry Tillery and were better the next year, right? They were on defensive line, not, not because of not having Jerry Tillery, but they were more productive on the defensive line the year after Jerry Tillery left. This defensive line without Khalid Kareem and Julian Akwar and Jameer Jones was better than last year's, not because those guys are necessarily better – individual players but they were able to replace those guys and be great dalen hayes and audio gondizi stepped in lineup and more than made up for the losses and then mm-hmm. isaiah foskey and ovia gofu and justin Adamiola stepped into the lineup and took over those backup roles and then that's how you keep it going absolutely and so i think that they're in a really good place i would like to see a little bit more of a higher high-end talent on the edge Okay. Is the thing. So I say the defensive line is there, but I think you're gonna see the defensive line. The margin for error is a lot thinner than it may be for a team that you know maybe has more truly elite defensive linemen. So if they're not on that level, they're they're really close on the edge. Inside, no problems.
1: Yeah. Loaded yep. inside. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yep.
2: And they're getting bigger. That's the big thing from the last two classes. Mike Elson going out and getting Jacob Lacey was a bigger guy, getting Aiden Kayana on a uh, getting Gabriel Rubio and then matching him with the athleticism of Jason Adamiola and Riley Mills. That's the combination you need. And I, that's why I feel really good about the
1: future of the defensive All right. interior. So, and, and obviously we like the coaching at that level as well. Yeah. So I, I, we don't need to yeah. jump into that. We know Uh yeah. linebacker uh, for Notre Dame. What, what are your thoughts on that position? Are they championship caliber at that spot?
2: I think talent wise, they are. I think they I think I think one of the th- knocks I have on Clark Lee is he, he, I thought at times he put a l- recruiting, yes, but at times I thought he put a little bit too much emphasis on perfection okay and not just letting guys play. Okay. Now that worked for Drew Tranquil because that's what Drew Tranquil wanted and needed, right but I felt like at times he got a little bit robotic with what he was asking guys to do. And and you could see what drew drew white, like when drew white was trying to read and react and all this kind of, he just, he would always be late. But then after the first couple of series, he just let him go. And it's a fly to the ball. Um, from what I've been told by sources, Jeremiah Wusu at first, there was issues with like, they're trying to say, Hey, do this, do this, do this. And after a while, they're just like, okay, just get out of his way and just let him go. Yeah. You know, be a heat seeking missile. Right. Yeah. I'd I'm like excited to,
1: say, to see what Freeman can do it, with this group. That's I, I, the thing I was going to say, because yeah. he
2: allows it. Not that they freelance, because you can't have linebackers freelance. No, no, you, you
1: can't, can. because then you're going to overrun stuff and you're going to be out right. of position. That's you, not what no. we're talking about.
2: It's Here's your job, I'm, but I'm going to launch you from different places. It's sure. going to look like you're freelancing. It's 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 It's, organized it's controlled chaos, chaos
1: baby. Yeah.
2: Perfect way of saying <laughs> it. And, and that's what I see from the Cincinnati defense. There's a lot of it. Look, Shane Simon should be a better player than he is. He's Agreed. not an instinctive guy. So stop asking him to be an instinctive guy and just turn him loose. Yeah. You know, and if yeah. he can't do it, then do it with Marist. You've had, you had Jack lamb, Jack talented linebacker, Bo Bauer, Notre Dame had plenty of talent at linebacker this year. I thought just at times. They got a bit robotic. There's sure. this, n- you need to be perfect with this, 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 and this. And that's fine to a degree, but once the game starts, you need those guys playing fast.
1: No, I agree. And,
2: and I, you know, look, linebacker in 2018 was not an issue for Notre Dame. Osmar, the way he developed yeah. last year, you had Jeremiah Wusu as one of the best linebackers in the country in the last five, right. six years. Yeah, it was one of the I'm best. not talking about this year. I'm talking about in the last yeah. five, six years. Yeah, no, you're right. you're right. You're and, right. And say, look, linebacker's not an issue talent-wise. Now, they had a couple years where the recruiting was down. That's a concern. So you're gonna have Freeman's gonna to have to make an immediate impact, kind will, of get yeah. it now. The good thing is Bo Bauer played as a freshman on special teams. Shane Simon played as a freshman on special teams. They were only gonna have four years of eligibility because of what happened this season. Now they both were gonna be done after next year. Now they have two more years left. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, which is huge. Isaiah yeah. Pryor also now it's has another year. two more years. Yeah. So depending on how you want to utilize him. So uh, Jack Kaiser has got an extra year. He's got four years left still. So I think J.D. Bertrand, Ossida Equando, there's plenty of talent at linebacker. The question is, can you develop it? Now, that'll be the thing that is going to be the next step. But talent-wise, no issue with linebacker, none at all.
1: And, and again, excited about what Freeman can do. So yeah, um, secondary. And I almost want to split this up to corners and safeties, but we'll do secondary as a whole, yeah. and you can break it down as you talk about it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. This is
2: the place where they're behind. Yes. And you I agree. take away Kyle Hamilton and they're way behind.
1: Way behind.
2: Uh, and, and there were some recruiting issues that happened. Uh, the thing about it is, they're way behind now. They weren't two years ago. Two years ago, they had a secondary that could have competed with anybody, especially a cornerback. And all the complaining and bitching people did last year about Troy Pride. You put Troy Pride on this year's defense and 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 there's a whole different thing. You know, it's like they were so spoiled, fans were so spoiled by how good the corners were the years before, yep, that they started nitpicking Troy Pride. Um unnecessarily so he was very good last year. So anyway, um cornerback took a huge step back and we started to see some of the recruiting losses, you know, Paulson Adebo, Thomas Graham, Elijah Hicks, you know, some of those, that, that, that 2016, 2017. Did they make up recruiting. for
1: it in this, in this class? We'll
2: see. I love this cornerback. Class. Okay. I love okay. the size. I love the versatility. I think that they need, but the thing is they got to do it a a, a consecutively one yeah, recruiting class yeah, right. is fixing it right uh, i think Lou landon Bartleson hurt them i think if he would have been able to stay in school that would have been a big one uh clarence lewis you know stepping up i mean so you put clarence lewis plus the incoming recruiting class I'm feeling a lot better about the future. Now, Mike Mickens has to do it one more year. Now, the good thing is, because you signed four corners in this last year's class.
1: You don't have to be. You can go after some big fish. Yeah, you Go after
2: dudes. Straight up dudes. And if they can upgrade, that's why I think Kerry Cooks would be a great promotion for Notre Dame. Because you look at the list of players he's recruited, top-level players, uh, I think he'd be able to start bringing in some of those guys they miss. I like the safety class they brought in. But those two years where they just basically whiffed at safety essentially after Kyle Hamilton uh, hurt them. And I think the development at the position has been poor. That was a coaching issue that has been uh, – uh, I think is going to be fixed. Again, another reason I think Kerry Cooks would be a good hire because Terry Joseph was, to me, substandard uh, for Notre Dame as a coach and a recruiter and a developer of young people. He's now gone. Uh, who you're replacing with is going to be very, very important. I think Mike Mickens is, is off to a good start. But um, – You know, getting what they got out of the cornerback position this year with the talent they got it was actually a really good coaching job by Mike Mickens. You've upgraded the talent, but now it needs to be a consistent thing. You can't have this strong – I mean, remember, Troy Pride, Julian Love, and Dante Vaughn, one class, and then years where they didn't recruit well, and then, oh, this big class. They can't do that anymore. You've got to have some level of consistency. So defensively in the secondary, I'm a little concerned. Uh, You you know, but, you know, if they can get Houston Griffith back, that'll help for 2021 – but the future at safety is concerned yeah. because Kyle Hamilton
1: gotcha. next year. Well, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know,
2: so, so the secondary is a question mark, and, and the cornerback play this year was not up to par. If you to put Julian Love and Troy Pride on this team.
1: Different story completely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, so just as a recap, defensive line, check. Check. Uh, linebackers, I would say check.
2: Check with an asterisk. Okay. The talent and, is there. The talent yeah. is there.
1: Yeah. And 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 secondary would be a miss at the moment. It, but at the
2: mo- yeah. Now if but, they make the trending... right hire, yeah, if they make the right hire at safety's coach, yeah. I like the future. And then okay. of course, Marcus landing Marcus Freeman to replace Huge. Clark
1: Lee. And that's Look, overall.
2: Brian Kelly has now made three straight home run hires at defensive coordinator. Mike Elko yeah. was the perfect hire at that time. Yep. When he left, before you thought you promoted Clark Lee, great hire. And then now Marcus Freeman, he, you know, it was, it, I think might've been his best hire yeah. to be honest with you.
1: Agreed because uh, he could have very easily taken the easy way out. And, 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 and I'm not saying it's the easy way and he would have done a bad job, mm-hmm. but hiring Mike Elston. Cause he's already, he's there. He's your buddy. He's right. You know, Yeah, I, I'm glad Although they did If Any
2: did. Notre Dame assistant deserved that opportunity. It was Mike. He did. Elston. I get uh, that. And I, I
1: totally, I totally he's, get that.
2: He's the epitome of loyal and, and yeah. loves Notre Dame. But look, you swung for defenses. You hit a home run. Yeah, yeah. bring him in, and your defenses should keep rolling. So yeah, defensively, Notre Dame is, and to me, there. When we talk about the checks, Notre Dame's as a defense the last three years is a check, outside of a of one game. The Michigan game last year was the anomaly. Sure, but they the defense played well enough to beat Georgia both times. The defense played well enough to beat to at least compete with Clemson in 2018 and Alabama this year. The defense is where you need to be. Brian Kelly's hitting all the right buttons, playing all the right notes on defense. Yep. You got to now do that on offense. Absolutely. You do that on offense, then Notre Dame – and look, wrap it up with this, Vince. They're not where they need to be as a program. Agreed. They're not as far off as some people think.
1: Also agree. Brian
2: Kelly's got to stop making excuses for why Notre Dame isn't getting the most out of Notre Dame. Realize that this administration has spent almost a billion dollars upgrading your program in the last decade. Almost a billion dollars. Think about that the admission standards are absolutely in the wheelhouse of where you need them to be to go out and get top players. Anyone saying otherwise is either unaware of the actual standards or just being fed a line of bull from people in the Goog flat out. That's there's no more excuses. And you've brought the program a (laughs) long way. Great job, coach. Phenomenal job. You want credit for something. I'll give you a lot of credit. For the program was a joke when you took over and it's now knocking on the door, but now it's up to you as the head coach of Notre Dame, to kick the door, dang baby. door down. And if he's willing to make the changes, I'm going to have some stuff on Irish breakdown coming up the next couple of days. If he's willing to make the necessary changes and stop making excuses and say, Hey, it's up to us to make, get it done. And he goes, it goes out and does it. Notre Dame within two years, in my opinion, it won't be 2021 because there's just a lot of turnover. Yeah. But within two to three years, I think Notre Dame can compete for and win a national championship. I fully believe that. Yeah. with Every yeah. ounce of my being. And if but it's going to require Brian Kelly to make those changes. If he's I willing agree. to do it, and it doesn't mean firing Tommy Reese or firing anybody. It means you make the philosophical changes, let Tommy Reese go out and be a young, smart coach, stop being stubborn, and this program can take the next step and start working on the freaking recruiting trail.
1: Yeah. That's it. Well, that no, i, I rant and, and over. one final and i I just want to echo a little bit of what you just said 2021 depending on what he does in 2021 and how he does a lot of the things that we've been talking about okay i've got 2022 circled as something that could be a special year because that schedule is difficult Mm -hmm. but they've got if they can go through that schedule and be competitive in that schedule i think they can turn a lot of heads here's
2: something else too vince the people aren't talking about if Notre Dame does what they need to do in 2021 to get their roster and their scheme right. and their philosophy in 2022, they cannot Clemson and Ohio State out of the playoff. This is what people don't think about. Like, oh, that's hard teams. They could knock us out. Yes. The opposite is true.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Ohio
2: State. Beat, if Notre Dame beats Ohio State and Clemson or just one of them, they're knock They're probably knocking that team out. Sure. Of the playoff.
1: Yeah, probably all starts in September of 20. That's right. So, so yeah, ready. I mean, so,
2: so th- th- they've got the sketch 2023, same thing. So the yep. opportunity is there. This off season is going to determine whether they get there. If he waits till the summer before 2022, it's not going to work. They're going to get right. their butt- bl- the doors blown off. It's right. It's got to happen now. If he makes the changes now between now and August. Agreed. And I think Notre Dame could, could get over that final hump, N- not next season, but they're laying the foundation right. to getting over that final hump. And that's the exciting part. Um, but also the nerve wracking part because we don't know if he's gonna
1: if he's yeah, gonna right. do it. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. For Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince D'Addario. We will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>